0: Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. Your host, Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com, will be interviewing professionals each week that are currently working in one of the top 100 careers for 2011. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position we want to expose you to the varied and distinguished careers of our guests and to perhaps inspire you to consider following in their footsteps or better yet blaze your own trail so sit back and relax as felicia interviews professionals about how they came to be in the top 100 careers
1: this is part of a series of interviews that i'm doing on the top 100 careers for 2011. one of the reasons why i selected you is because you're the kind of teacher that inspires kids to want to learn. You know, I know that my daughter comes home every day, and she's talking about Mrs. Siancé this, Mrs. Seance <laughs> this, and she talks about how much she enjoys learning. And I just know that by my interactions with you, you just love being a teacher. So did you always want to be a teacher?
2: I always did. I played school when I was growing up, and I made my siblings play as well, so I knew from an early age that's what I wanted to do.
1: And you never deviated?
2: I didn't. Just a slight chance. My grandfather was a doctor, and he wanted to persuade me to go into the nursing field, and I just went back and forth a little bit, but really teaching was always in my heart.
1: So how did you become a teacher?
2: What I did was I went to Seton Hall University, and I chose Seton Hall because they had a program that had us out in the field our freshman year. And that's part of the reason I chose it. And what we would do in our freshman year was go to a classroom and for an entire day, really just to observe once in a while, they give us a small group. And what I found so interesting with what they did was half the students in the program dropped out after that first year because they saw it wasn't for them. And then for the next three years, we were more involved in terms of the student teaching and whatnot. And even prior to going to Seton Hall, when I was in high school, I volunteered and I worked with different students on a one-to-one basis.
1: So Seton Hall had a program that really interested you and assuming that you went there partly to just see if you wanted to become a teacher or just because it included that component in their freshman program?
2: Really more because it included it. But I think in the back of my head, you always wonder, is this really for me? And it really confirmed what I already knew.
1: All right. So is there a recommended major for becoming a teacher?
2: Today, it's very different. Now, years ago, you would go into elementary education, or if you wanted to be a high school teacher, you would go for certain certifications. But today, there's more and more people coming out of the workforce. Like, we have a person at our school who was in the business field and then decided after a certain point he wanted to do something more. So he went back to school, and now he's teaching math at our school. So it's a lot different. If you know right away that's what you want to do, of course, you go into you know college and you take your education courses. And they even recommend, instead of a four-year program, you do a five-year program so you get your master's when you first come out. So it really depends on what type of teacher you want to be.
1: So I know that you teach first grade. Did you always want to teach first grade?
2: I did. I wanted to teach kindergarten first or second. And when I first came out, the jobs weren't there for that, so I actually had a sixth grade. And... I deal with it. Whatever is presented to me, you dive into it and you give it 100%, sometimes a little bit more. And I actually think having that has made me a better first-grade teacher. Having sixth-grade helped me see the skills my 1st graders should have to get up to that level.
1: So you think that it was actually good for you to have gone and taught sixth-grade because it taught you what first-graders need to know or kindergarten first-graders need to know in order to be successful as sixth-graders?
2: It really did. I saw certain things where... My sixth graders, they needed some help, in, and I saw that if they got those skills at an earlier age, it would have helped them later on. So it really did help me quite a bit, yes.
1: You know, I was very fortunate that I had parents who believed in education and really kind of emphasized that. Is it a it helped to you to have parents who are advocates for their kids' education and help and encourage them to be the best that they can at the younger ages?
2: Yes, it helps in so many ways and I say to my parents when I first meet them it's parent, teacher, child, we're this circle and we all work together. I don't want to say can't work without the other but one really helps the other and it works that way and as you know from being one of my parents I like to put things out there things that you can do at home with your child and even to my students in the class, I tell them the things that they can do and I always feel that I cannot do it without my parents and as a parent myself I always like when teachers put out there things that I could be doing at home with them to help them do better within the classroom and outside the classroom as well.
1: You know, sometimes I groan and when Morgan brings home my homework, <laughs> but I know that she really enjoys sitting down with me and really kind of yeah. going through. And I think that the piece that you really add when there's something that I need to be involved in as a parent is the fact that my daughter gets to see another piece of me. She gets yeah. to see how I work through things and how I can help and bring her to an understanding of how come education is so important to me. And so I really have to say thank you for that. It really is a great way to engage parents, and I really like your circle analogy in terms of it's not just the student, it's not just the teacher. It really is the parents that help complete the circle.
2: Yes, the students see that it's important to you, and what I always find interesting, too, once in a while I throw out there, like I will have a parent do like a little index card or do a little something, and they smile, and then when it's brought back, they're so happy to see what mom and dad has included that's going to be part of what we do in the classroom. It means a lot to them.
1: Yes, yes, it does. So tell me, what do you like about being a teacher?
2: I like that every day is different. It is never, ever boring. I always tease them. I say, boys and girls, we have plan B, C, and D because sometimes it doesn't work according to plan. And it's flexible, not flexible. It's flexible in the sense, yeah, the children leave at 3 o'clock, but then we bring papers and things home to work with us. But at the same time, it is a joy to have the same vacations as my children. And July and August does rejuvenate you. It truly does. I go and I read and I catch up on different things that help me, you know, work throughout the years. And there's so much more, too, but really being with kids all day, too, because they do inspire you. They get excited. They have such enthusiasm. And it helps you to see things a different way each day, which is great, too.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a very accurate statement because one of the things I notice is when my kids bring home their homework or whatever, it really forces me to kind of slow down and just kind of pay attention to what's going on with them. I think sometimes as a parent you can get really caught up in your day-to-day work issues. The fact that you're sitting down with your kids and helping them understand become a learner that is really very very special i'm as glad you brought that up
2: because i always share with all of you parenting is the most difficult job there is it's 24 7 and we only help with it there's no book there's no answers but we're all in this together to work with and i do feel too we are a village and we need to help one another
1: absolutely so what is a typical day as a teacher is there a typical day
2: No, (laughs) and that's what I love, too. But in terms of, we say, typical, we do find, too, they do need some type of routine to help them in terms of a schedule and when we do things. And what cracks me up the most is when we're off schedule, they'll tell you. They know. As you know, we had our testing last week, and that was very different from what we normally do. So this week getting back onto the schedule was a little difficult, but next week it will be a little bit easier because it just makes learning a little bit more conducive for them. They need that because with so many distractions and things, in the outside world they come into the room and you know we get started and then they need that. It's important to them.
1: So are they always doing math? Are they always doing English? You talked about there being a routine. Right. What kind of schedule are they on?
2: Well you really find in the morning is when not even just the younger children, but students in general tend to focus more and do better. We do the reading and the math in the morning. And then subjects like our science and our social studies were just as important but where you can be a little bit more flexible and hands-on type of things we tend to do in the afternoon. You know, During the week, there are different, what we call them, specials. And I'm fortunate because the way it's built into our schedule, it's just good for them. What cracks me up, though, they know from day to day, they know their schedule. I used to have to put up on the board, no longer necessary, they know.
1: You mean it's no longer necessary because we're so far into the school year?
2: Yeah, but it's interesting. Even after the first couple weeks, they know as well. It just takes a few weeks for them to really get into that.
1: So they've got their routines, their learning. Is one of the things that you like about working with the younger grades is the fact that you get to kind of teach them multiple different subjects as opposed to high school teachers who might be only teaching chemistry or math or English? Yes,
2: you know, that's interesting that you, know, you bring that up. Beginning my teaching career, over the first few years, I was in a departmental type of situation for 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, And I didn't get to know them as well as I get to know the children that I do have now, having them almost the entire day. And what's so wonderful is, like in reading, I can incorporate the science or the social studies for whatever we're working on. So I find with them you can do so much more because of it.
1: So, what I heard you say is one of the things that you do as a teacher is you integrate, even if you were teaching the reading component, you can bring in sciences into their reading and basically reinforce what you're doing in other parts of your classroom.
0: Like
2: this past week, our reading was dealing with weather, but weather incorporated, we can use science lessons and even math, we're learning about temperatures Celsius and Fahrenheit, and compare the differences. So you're right, there's so much more you can do with it, which is wonderful.
1: How long have you been teaching?
2: Okay. <laughs> um, I started September of 1982. All right. And half that time is full-time, and then the other part was part-time because I have three children. So almost 30 years.
1: All right. And how has teaching changed since you started teaching?
2: Good question. There's not so much in terms of writing. Like we used to have a thing in the past where, okay, you write your time tables ten times. And what we're finding is they need to see it instead of write it. They have to see it in front of them. they have to feel it. And that's why, like, in first grade, I enjoy so much what I do. Like, yes, they're learning three plus nine, but if they can't see three plus nine, they're not going to really learn it. Writing it ten times is just writing it, but seeing three pennies on one side, nine on the other, or even taking, like we do our stampers, do stamping three on one side, nine on the other. So I think it's more hands-on type of things that we're learning. We tend now to do more things in groups. So they learn to work things out and solve problems together. So I think in that sense, it's changed. It's gotten more hands-on, which I think is good for them.
1: I think that that's a key difference that will make a big difference in their schooling because one of the things that I'm noticing as an employer is oftentimes students, who have done well and learned to work well in groups are really great people to have in your workforce. I'm definitely going beyond college and into the workforce, but I know that the skills that students learn at the younger ages are skills they will continue to build upon and will make a huge difference in their lives as they move through school and into career.
2: It's so interesting you bring that up. I've taught at different levels. And I think what gets lost as they get older, but we're trying not to do that anymore, is to get up in front of other people. When I had kindergarten, I would have them get up like once a week and show something, and now in first grade we do what's called our guess and tell, or we have a project that we work on. And I learned when I had junior high, I would try to get them to do it once in a while as well because as they get older, it gets more difficult for them. That peer pressure starts to creep in, unfortunately. I do like when they work in different groups and they feel comfortable with one another. It's an important piece, you're right.
1: So once you've completed your education, are you done?
2: The state requires, but it's not even just so much that because the state requires that throughout the year we do 30 hours of, you know, going to different workshops, doing things online just to keep current. It's up to the individual person, but, you know, you can go for your master's, you can go for your graduate studies. I'm currently still going for my master's. And there's just so much out there that you're constantly learning. My coworker who is, I think she's turning 66, she's constantly going to more workshops or she's signing up to go somewhere. So you never stop.
1: I'm actually in school also. I'm working on a certificate program for college admission, and I'm working on my final paper for one of my classes. And one of the statistics that I came across is in the United States, only 10% of the population are active learners. They like going to classes. They like Taking courses, whereas 90% of the population would only take an additional education course if they were required to for their jobs. And I think that that's really unfortunate wow. because certainly one of the things that I'm noticing is it's requiring more and more education to advance in your career, as well yes. as people who are lifelong learners really mm. have a leg up from those people who get their education and then just stop.
2: Yeah, that's a frightening statistic because obviously, you're always constantly learning. One of my brothers who was a doctor, they constantly put them out there and they had to go for recertification. But I think in almost any field, you shouldn't need to do that. Years ago, my husband worked for the movie industry. He worked behind the scenes. What I liked about his company was they would send him out several times a year to do different aspects of the job to appreciate what the others out there were doing just to realize what the company is expecting of all their employees. So I... I like
1: that No, I think that that is very fortunate Because one of the things that can be a little disturbing Is when you only really know one thing Or you only know one industry The reality is our changing economy is forcing people and making a lot of jobs obsolete in terms of outsourcing and all the rest of those sorts of things. And if you don't continue to enhance your skill set, then that could be very problematic for you.
2: Yeah, That's why what I do is so important. I say to all my parents, the most important thing for me in the beginning is that they're happy to walk through that door and that they want to learn. And they all learn differently, and that's part of what I have to do on a day-to-day basis. But as long as they're happy to walk through that door, half the battle is already won.
1: Well, you talked about something that I think is interesting. You talked about they all have different needs in the classroom. How do you address that as a teacher?
2: You do it on a day-to-day basis, and we do in the younger grades, we do different centers and things for in order for them to learn. So it's very interesting. You change your style of teaching or you approach it differently for different types of things. Every week the students, you know, approach different words. So I actually, what I do with them we don't just write them. We spell them out. We sign them out. They're favorite. They get a kick out. We do a cheerleading thing with them. It sounds a little silly, but it's not because it helps them to internalize it. So throughout each day, I approach things. I don't want to say for each child because it's different, but for all of them in general. So I pick up on the, the style of every child at least once or twice throughout the day. I have to tell you, it's not easy, but you do do it in some different aspect throughout each day.
1: So what advice would you give to people who are interested in becoming a teacher?
2: What I would say to them is Volunteer just to see like the age group that you enjoy being with. For myself, I had mentioned that in high school, I worked with students and I tutored them. And that's always a good indicator as well. Look for something where it does have you actively involved in the classroom. This year at our school, we had a girl, just happened to be from Seton Hall as well. I know other universities do this as well, but she spent many hours in the classroom with my coworker and quite often she planned the activities. And I know for the fall, she's gonna spend almost the entire semester within the classroom working with the, our second-grade teacher. What I highly recommend is putting yourself in different types of teaching situations. Coaching is another good way to see because it gets you used to certain grade levels. When I go through the past and I've gotten it in practice and things, some of the coaches in the beginning had to make adjustments, but once they realized where the children were at, it made them better coaches. And I do consider coaches to be teachers as well.
1: Oh, you mean actually coaching sports? Yes. And why do you yes. feel like coaching is a good thing for somebody who is interested in becoming a teacher? What skill set do they learn and develop that will enhance their ability to be teachers?
2: Well, there's different levels for working with children in terms of coaching. And you know, if they choose a certain level, they can see where the children are at like right? physically and even mentally. And basketball, for example, there's different drills and things that they do, but even how long they can work at one thing. Because at one level can do it for maybe five minutes, another level can do it for 10 minutes. Some sports they have different plays, certain levels they can do them, some they have to wait a little bit longer. So it gives them a feel to you know where their children are at, and it teaches them a certain respect for the, children and for the children to respect them as well.
1: That's interesting. I would have never made that connection, but now that you've brought it to my attention, that makes perfect sense.
2: And I was fortunate in the beginning of my teaching career. I taught a certain group, and then I actually coached basketball as well. So I got to see them in another way, and I think it was good for them to see me outside the classroom as well. I do a chess club at our school, and it helps me to reconnect with children that I've had, had in the past, and the joy for me is to see the growth they make from year to year with it. It is truly, truly amazing.
1: I know that my daughter, we have a chess on my computer, and my youngest daughter, very much love getting on my computer and playing chess. It's something that she actively, I'm (laughs) often trying to wrestle my computer back because if she has a minute, then she's going to hop on the computer and play chess. Kudos to you for having that type of program in the schools because I think it really makes a difference.
2: It's a thrill for me just to see it. I know when I was younger, there was nothing out there like that. And they don't realize they're thinking several moves ahead. It's higher analytical thinking, and they're having fun at the same time. And another aspect of teaching them sportsmanship, I constantly tell them, I said, boys and girls, you're here to learn, you're here to have fun. And we shake hands at the beginning of the game, at the end of the game, and we here to show good sportsmanship. The games I learned the most from were the ones that I lost. And I think that what's interesting is that as they get older, they start to see that. At the beginning, it's a little bit more difficult, but... They just had to love the game, and it's such a great start.
1: Well, I have to tell you that the downside of that is I have to up (laughs) my game because of my daughter. You can see the little wheels turning (laughs) in her head where she's trying to get something that I don't think that she should have or something that she wants, and she's definitely playing her little chess moves in her interactions with me in terms of getting what it is that she wants. So you know, it does definitely have some benefits outside of just playing chess.
2: It's so interesting. My youngest son, well, he's now in high school. From kindergarten to fourth grade, I played with him, and he never beat me because I didn't want him to realize. But anyway, to make a long story short, because he constantly practiced, he beats my husband and myself because he plays more. And I, the reason I told that to the children was, boys and girls, when you work at something, you get better at it, and that's a big key with anything in life. And quite a few of them, I think this is my eighth year, some of them have been with the program the entire time, and you can see the difference.
1: You know, the youngest one challenges the oldest one yes. in playing chess, so, you know, you definitely see the development. I never actually learned how to play chess, and so one of the things is they're actually teaching me chess, and they really enjoy that kind of interaction of being the teacher and teaching me something uh, that I don't know. I um, think that's they get great, frustrated yeah. because it's just like, but, Mommy, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's you good know, for them so to see that how we're all learning. I think that's wonderful, yes.
1: I think that it's great. So let me ask you, why do you think that being a teacher is one of the top careers for 2011?
2: One of the major reasons is because we need to teach in order to prepare the world for the future, and even more so than ever, like you had said earlier, how certain jobs are being based out. We're always going to need teachers. But we want them to be better teachers and we want these children, the word is not better educated, but to have more of what they need to enter the workforce down the road. So it's almost like we're always going to need electricity, we're always going to need teaching. But I think this field, more than anything, we really do.
1: Absolutely. So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with students who are listening to this interview about being a teacher?
2: I just want to leave with what I've said throughout the entire interview. It is such a joy. I come home exhausted, and that's okay. It's the best kind of exhaustion you could ever have. They keep me young. They keep me wanting to keep doing what I am doing. They truly inspire me. It's just amazing. They get very enthusiastic. And I have to share with the audience, I've been in many situations. One of the most rewarding was I worked five years inner city, and my principal shared with us, and not just inner city for this one thought, but For many of them, you're the best part of the day. I could leave everything from home and I'd enter that classroom and just remember that. It really stayed with me and carried with me because quite often we are. And that's a big thing to take with you. Not a burden or anything, but just almost inspiring to remember
1: that. That is inspiring. And with that, I'd like to conclude this interview. I thank you very much for your time today. I hope that all the listeners today have gotten... A taste of one of the reasons why I think Mrs. Yancey is the best thing that uh, my youngest daughter has experienced in her educational career, and I hope that this interview inspires more teachers out there. You know.
2: Well, I appreciate being considered, and thank you very much.
1: All right. So thank you very much for your time today.
0: Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college, and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, five strategies that parents need to start using today to cut their college costs tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.